And welcome to Episode Party, a podcast where we talk about our favourite podcasts. I'm Freddie Harrison. I'm Jack Tutor. And this week we are joined by producer and host of the excellent Here Be Monsters on KCRW, Jeff Entman. Hey, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. It's, um, it's a real pleasure. Um, one of the joys of this podcast is that Jack finds guests who have podcasts who he's found through listening to that podcast and enjoys and then i get to listen to their podcast and then i ended up enjoying it as well so <laughs> peek behind basically the what i'm it's a long way it's a long way of saying we're, we're fans of your work and we will <laughs> chat more about that later but for now jack uh it's your turn to uh lead on the recommendations so tell us a little bit about your podcast yeah sure so the podcast that i picked is a podcast called constellations which is a A project founded by uh, artists and producers Jess Shane and Michelle Macklem. And it's, as they describe it, it's a a series of audio art pieces from artists whose work floats beyond the borders of radio and podcasting. So already I knew it was one for me. Um, What I love about this is the fact that the podcast format allows for each of these works, which are often experimental audio works, Uh, kind of documentary pieces of a a more abstract nature to stand on their own because they're podcasts they're not you know rubbing up against something else in the radio programming schedule or you know they're, they're they're allowed their own pocket of concentration and each work tends to be i mean they tend to be on the shorter side, so some of them are like 10 minutes long, they can be up to like 20 minutes long, but it's a, a nice length, a nice duration, which means that you can give it a dedicated burst of attention. It's almost like a little period of meditation where you just home in and concentrate on one of these pieces. And then at the end of each piece, they tend to have the artist explain, answer a few questions, but generally provide some context around their motivations for producing the work which is lovely it's like a little placard on the side of the artwork just giving you a little nudges to their intentions but it, it because it comes in at the end it means that you've got the opportunity to let all your thoughts flower in all kinds of crazy directions before kind of being steered back in towards artistic intention so i honestly did pick this one before i realized that you jeff had contributed but it was a pleasure to see that you have as well <laughs> contribute an episode um i thought it might be a bit awkward for you if we i recommended that episode to you to listen to so so what i've done instead is picked a piece by an artist a mexican artist called israel martinez who i was introduced to through his album the minutes which i really enjoyed and his piece is called mi vida which translates as my life and uh it's like a non-linear story of a car journey that ends in a car crash and it's this amazing collage where a car is kind of dismantled in several senses so you have the car crash uh, which sends you know shrapnel and car pieces flying in all different directions as i imagine but 
Also, you have this kind of audio autopsy, which just drags apart all the different uh, parts of the car. So you get the car horn, you get that little alarm that sounds when a door's left open. You get the sound of things that sound like maybe hubcaps kind of spinning on the floor. You get the crunch of metal and other bits of, I don't know, car debris. And... What I really enjoy is that, as he mentions, it's non-linear. So he says it ends in a car crash, but you get a sound of a car crash quite near the beginning. And so I I love the idea that you can have a story which is prized away from a chronological retelling. So it's a story where actually the, the ordering of events doesn't matter. And I think what he says in his bit at the end is the fact that what's more interesting to him is sounds that sonically cohere and make sense alongside each other so that takes priority over the chronology of the event so um i I just think it was lovely this is exactly up my street as someone who you know writes about experimental sound outside of doing this um jeff i I really liked your piece and it's definitely um piqued my interest in terms of checking out dream tapes more because that's also a a sort of area of interest that that i have as well um phoebe wang as well we talked about her work when she came on previously as a guest so there are numerous reasons to be enjoying this podcast uh freddie what did you think of it yeah i mean i know you said this is completely up your street and uh uh but i guess by extension this is like nothing i've ever heard before as are many things that are completely up your street jack um you've been probably single-handedly responsible for expanding my worldview around sound and music over the last uh i don't know nearly 10 years i've probably known you now um and and this is this is no exception i think this was um this is a podcast that i i kind of constellations was on the periphery from like i say from our like you mentioned from our um episode with phoebe wang um and we we did mention her her piece on there then and uh yeah i hadn't i hadn't really uh hadn't kind of had a had a really good listen to it um since we since we we mentioned it um so i was was super grateful that you, you recommended it and i had a good chance to uh to listen um you know i i think you did a fantastic job of dissecting israel's piece there um which i I won't even attempt to do because you are far more qualified or at least more experienced than i am at this kind of thing um but i will say that i really really loved the format i loved that i got that explanation at the end i mean it felt like these things could could just live on their own as their own thing but i i really enjoyed there was kind of no messing around at the beginning and and we got straight into the 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 good stuff as it were yeah Um, but equally we got a really lovely explanation and uh understanding of what the piece was about how it came about uh what it means to to the artist at the end as well so in uh, you know i i really enjoyed that and i think it, it that kind of format does a does a lovely thing when in kind of tying together um kind of disparate works i guess um you know mm. that maybe have common threads but you know it, a podcast like this where you're pulling pulling on so many different um contributors who have different influences and different outputs i think there's there's a there's a lovely thing in in the way that you're able to kind of present it as a as a kind of a series um with with some kind of continuity i guess um yeah. so i really really enjoyed it I, I haven't listened to any other episodes yet but i feel like all of them are going to be interesting to me in their own ways and i feel like all of them kind of warrant warrant some time so uh 
I was a big fan, Jack. Thanks. Great. Hey, no worries. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the name Constellations, I think, is quite nice because obviously it alludes to something where each element has its own individuality, but there's some kind of unity and coherence between all the all the pieces, which is which is really nice. Um, Jeff, what do you make of this one? You know, I absolutely love this piece. This was this was an episode of Constellations that I hadn't previously listened to yet. So it was it it per per what you say, Jack. I think the name Constellations is a really good. Uh, name for this show because it's it's often from different contributors and each contributor kind of takes their own their own um reality and they they kind of all mesh together on this program in a way that's i think in in a lot of ways very um very similar to like walking through a really good like walking through a really good group show at a gallery right right where everyone's kind of Mm. existing in the same world but um taking their own perspectives on it and i think similar to a gallery like when you go to a gallery and you really relax and really um experience stuff i think that's those moments when you look at the work first you think about the work first and then later you go over and look at the at the description Mm. um i find that when i'm when i'm like stressed out in trying to consume art i'm just trying to figure out what it means so i can figure out if (laughs) I agree or disagree and move on right but um the really nice thing about audio as a format is that the artist is in in control of time right so the artist gets to pick whether you get that description up front or after the fact and in moments where there, there needs to be some sort of experience where you kind of come to a truth with a piece, it's really helpful to have that description come later. I think where, where mm-hmm. it's a, like, this is a piece about, about discovery and it wouldn't actually have, have held much of my attention. I think had I come into it thinking about car crashes and whatnot, like I needed to, I needed to put those pieces together. And I think that's mm-hmm. one thing that really works uh, in good art, whether it's, whether it's audio visual or another form is when you require something of your listener to uh, put some of the pieces together for themselves and um, make meaning out of the work themselves. And this came at a really good time for me. Um, I, w- I, like I said, I hadn't heard this episode before you suggested it, Jack, this came at a really good time for me because I think ever since around the turn of the new year, I've actually been really exhausted by words, right? And right. <laughs> I'm actually working on some some pieces about this right now about like how words can be really overwhelming and like and like further contribute to senses of stress and and despondence and all all those sorts of negative emotions. And so to have just five minutes with this incredibly uh, incredibly complex sounds playing. I think the piece is only five minutes, right? It's pretty short, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Yeah, around about that. It's somewhere, it's somewhere in that range. And um, just to let that kind of wash over me for a second, it, it got my brain working in really, in really useful ways. And I think, I think that this artist did did a fantastic job of that. Yeah, I I think it's really interesting that you talk in more detail there about the ordering of the explanation and the piece itself, and you're you know guided into the piece and then left with it for a bit just to absorb and just to experience uh, without really any pressure to for anything to be comprehended in any particular way and i think it's very interesting when looking at say your piece jeff because that's essentially my introduction to dream tapes was hearing the piece really before i had a full context i mean what was it like for you to i mean firstly to work with constellations in putting your piece out there uh, and also to have it presented within the format of the show 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was really interesting. Uh, you know, Michelle and Jane, they reached out to me and they said, hey, we're starting this project. Can Or they'd already started, actually, but they said, hey, can we, you know, uh, recontextualize some of this work that you've done around this project that I, I started uh, years ago and have since um, kind of backburnered into obscurity? Unfortunately, it's a project I love called the Dream Tapes Project, which was where I would mail tape recorders around to people in different parts of the country and a couple... Um, um, in different in different countries as well, and um, have people record their dreams for a month as soon as they woke up on this like you know these like constantly breaking machines these tape recorders, <laughs> and then they mailed them back to me and I, I cataloged them all and had volunteers uh, go through and kind of write descriptions of them and keyword them and put them up on this website. And so a couple of years after I did all that um, with the help of all those volunteers, you know Michelle and uh, Jess approached me and said, Hey, can we rework some of these into an episode of constellations? And I don't know. It's like, (laughs) it's like, I don't work with editors often because I I kind of started my own stuff and Oh my God, is it nice? (laughs) Other people can make you sound so much smarter than you actually are. Um, and speaking of which, I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to edit my my chicken scratch of of uh, thoughts here because <laughs> yeah. unlike you two, I don't I don't gather my thoughts in any kind of linear order. And so to have have someone else uh, edit my my thoughts and and um, make them sound cohesive is really great. And so it was it was really fun to work with them. And and um, I think I think my piece is a little bit of a a red herring in their collection though because it's so word focused because it's these people it's these people describing their dreams but i think the thing that may have attracted them to to that work is kind of this this weird hissy graininess and and like compression and warmth that right. you get from the cassette tapes which is is a textural element in the piece that you can't extract like no amount of processing can extract that coloration in that character um and i think that might have been part of what what attracted them to that audio yeah it's the sound of late night for some reason that interference it just feels like it pitches the piece at a time before the world has kind of roused itself and blown away its own dust a bit that's what it felt like to me um but definitely it feels like a a soundscape in the sense that they seem to be gravitated towards soundscapes because i think they even wrote on the website something like you can imagine people waking up and fumbling around with these recorders and trying to get buttons to work before their <laughs> eyes do, you know. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's I think there's something really wonderful when you you know, like like the way we're talking right now is very straightforward. I mean, we can't see each other, of course, but you know, we're we're like we're like talking in this very socially accepted way. And so I think it's really interesting. And I think other episodes of Constellations does this really well too, where you take people outside of that normal like interviewer, interviewee dynamic and you, you really get different tape when when the perceived audience is different. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's what they do in a lot of these episodes that, that makes them work so well. Let's go for your recommendation now, Jeff. If you tell us a, a bit about it and, uh, yeah. Yeah, tell us a bit about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah. So so the piece that I picked was from Ross Sutherland's podcast, which is called Imaginary Advice. Um, to try and describe imaginary advice, it is... It is a difficult task to describe <laughs> um, imaginary advice because it, I don't know, it'd be like calling, like to call it a poetry show, it, like like to try and describe it as a poetry show, it's just like so reductive yeah. as to be, mm. as to be a, absurd because it's not, 
a poetry show. It's like a, it's like a show that a poet made. I think yes. I think that's yes. how I, I would describe it because because Ross is Ross is is someone who has this incredibly uh, uh, detailed style to him. I I, I think uh, to his work. I, I think that that all I had a really hard time picking which episode to recommend of this show because I think all of them are so interesting and so different. Um, and of course, there's some that are better than others, but that's like again a sign to like the fact that it's a show that's about trying things out mm. um, and using um, kind of uh, trying trying to push the medium of podcasting to places where it doesn't normally go. So the episode that I, I picked uh, is is an episode that I love, but it's also an episode that I think I've talked to death with my friends and, and family and my, my coworker because it's one that just kind of stuck in my head. It was it was an episode that I listened to while I was I was walking on a hot summer night last summer. And so it's kind of it's kind of irrevocably tied to, to that moment. Uh, the episode it's called Regarding the Moon. It's an episode that has kind of three or four segments to it, uh, all either directly or indirectly about the moon. And the piece, it opens with um, Ross's reflections on an often misattributed quote about the moon, where he talks about how, like, in poetry, what you have to do is you, you, you have to point to the moon. But if you point to the moon and you have too many rings on your fingers, then people are going to look at your rings instead of the moon itself, which is, is kind of a theme that um, kind of snakes through the entirety of the piece. And he somehow manages to make these incredibly relevant pieces that these incredibly relevant to each other segments where one segment will set up the next, but in a completely unexpected way. Yeah. I, I was just super into this. Uh, I, I'm a writer um, by by trade and uh although although i do although i do i do i do writing for advertising which is which is an entirely different ball game I, the way in which different writers approach the their practice and uh and how they they take their inspiration how they how they come up with exercises and all that kind of thing really really fascinates me so this this episode um was 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 great for that you know i i've been on the kind of end of running workshops with people and trying to find interesting things to do with them so that bit from that perspective just got me straight away um i loved it i, I really did um i was on a bus journey on the way home when i was listening to to that to that and uh i spent most of the bus journey uh, going the, the moon is and then looking around and finding <laughs> different things and then googling stuff to like you know to follow the rule of you know having to get your, your two words from different sources um so it was kind of whatever was going past outside the window on the bus and also whatever i happened to google on my phone um oh you got deep uh, freddie <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think it's just a, it's just one of these things that, uh, you know, like I say, I, I've done writing workshops and I've also also hosted them and, and you know, I've been a guest of them as well. And when someone asks you to do an exercise, you just jump in and do it because otherwise it's embarrassing and awkward for everyone involved. So <laughs> there's kind of an involuntary response that if someone asks me to do something, even if it's on a podcast and they're not actually talking to me, I just start doing it, anyway, <laughs> especially if it involves writing or making anything up with words. And you know, it it, it kind of had me from there, really. And and I think the the, the whole uh, episode was just so wonderful in its kind of eclecticness, but the kind of theme that rolls through so nicely. And I, I just enjoyed every single part of it. Uh, I find I I kind of said 
to Jack the other day, actually, we were we were chatting about your recommendation, Jeff, in advance, and I just said, I really love it, but I can't really explain why, which is not a good thing for a podcast where we talk about <laughs> why we love different podcasts. Um, and I'm still really struggling now to kind of articulate what I love so much about this 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 episode that I've listened to, uh, but I, I'm definitely going to be listening to the others because, uh, you know, even if they're wildly different, I think Ross is a, is a really interesting and kind of, um, yeah, a really interesting character who, who just comes across so well and articulates himself in a really interesting way. And uh, yeah, it was a, certainly a show that I don't think I'd ever come across were it not for you recommending it. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I actually found out about the show from a listener of my own podcast who who had put together some little list of his, his favorite shows. And, and I was like, well... You know, if if John likes it, I, I'm I'm willing to try it out. And so <laughs> I, I went out and looked for it myself. And, and the first episode I ever listened to was one that I almost recommended, but it was a two-parter. So I figured that wasn't fair. It's called hmm. uh, Exorcist Dave Stewart, which is another highly recommended uh, episode that kind of, I guess, maybe subverts the, the genre of uh, exorcist stories and, and turns it into something something more about art as a whole, you know. Freddie, you, you you mentioned having a hard time pinning down what it what it is that you you liked about this, and and mm. I'm not I'm not saying that, that it's the same thing that I liked about it, but one of the similar traits of of work that I tend to admire is is not necessarily work that on its surface is is enjoyable to look at, but work that addresses this kind of core sense of freedom, right? Where it's mm. like you take the conventions and you say. I'm not sure these conventions are are here because they're a good idea or because people just did it one way and they kept doing it that way, right? So regardless of the medium, I think that my favorite artists are artists who look at conventions and say, I'm going to keep the ones that work and not bother with the ones that don't. Mm. And that's that's one of the things that really draws me to this show. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um it shows and i i think it it, it kind of yeah like you say it, it does it does seemingly conform to some things that make you know most good podcasts good podcasts and in other ways it completely moves away from them and i think in that sense it, it's it feels really different um and i think that's something i love about it um jack please articulate this better than i can <laughs> <laughs> well i thought this was really good um how's that uh, no, I, I think honestly, I think it makes so much sense that he is a poet because I think not only does he clearly just have like a really wonderful way with words. I think that at one point in this piece you re- recommended, Jeff, he says something like the trees barcoding the sunlight, which kind of just struck me as <laughs> really nice. Yeah. Just like it, it comes and goes really quickly. I was like, oh, that's lovely. But also the whole show seems to be structured on these kind of loose threads of association that carry it from one piece to another which has a kind of poetic quality where you know the mind gets snagged on one particular vowel or one particular idea and suddenly that becomes the the path that leads on to the next piece without forcing meaning on how everything is supposed to to fit together and so you end up with as you said you've got stories which are you know each story each of these three kind of ideas is colored by the other two and by the time you get to the it's difficult in it because I, I almost don't want to talk about it too much because coming into it cold for me was what made it so wonderful but i am going to just spoil it so he ends with like a poem 
but he calls a univocalism where it's just one vowel sound and he uses the vowel O. And by the time he gets to that point and he's using that O, I mean, obviously your mind is absolutely just screaming like this, moon, moon moon like yeah and it's amazing he doesn't set that up he just puts all the pieces in place so that it becomes impossible not to be so rich in these associations and i think as well the moment in that first story where the moon the phrase the moon it's read in a computerized voice kind of degenerates into this like crumpled sound i mean was really haunting but also went on for slightly too long than is conventionally comfortable in radio where you've got this moment where it turns into like an abstract soundscape and it reminded me a bit of your podcast jeff in that you also have these moments where the narrator kind of trails off and suddenly you're in this soundscape this environment that is full of like the the sentiments or the feelings that have just been described or that you're led to feel but with no one to kind of explain them to you as they're happening, uh, which I really like, I think is, I mean, I don't want to use the word brave, but it kind of, I think it's wonderful that he trusts the listener enough to just leave them there and then trust that they'll carry on listening and and know that they'll come out the other side. Um, So I've tried a couple of other episodes as well. Last night, I thought I'd pick one that sounded on the face of it to be quite funny, which is one called Seinfeld, where he programs a neural net to do stand-up comedy, which ended up being like an incredibly despondent, like despairing piece of audio, which um, left me in a right mood for uh, for going to sleep. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was great. And I think, um, I mean, as you said, Jeff, not everything kind of works. I mean, that piece that I listened to felt like it almost went on perhaps longer than was comfortable. But then... At the same time, I love that because I feel like that's an expense that you pay for someone who is so fully invested in what they're doing that they're not going to curtail it, you know, at the last minute for the sake of an edit to make the audience comfortable. I mean, uh, I've been listening to a lot by this, uh, a lot of music by this musician called Dean Blunt recently, who I really like, but uh, who it's a strange comparison to draw. But basically, he's someone who also it's not that he doesn't give a fuck, but it's he's not worried about necessarily what you're going to make of it all he just knows that he absolutely needs to put out there what he's got that's burning a hole in his mind and sometimes that's really uncomfortable sometimes it's really pleasant uh sometimes it's just you know utterly repugnant and boring uh and i i love that ross seems to be willing to just play uh sometimes at the expense of listener patience but sometimes in a, in a way which is really exciting so yeah this is definitely one that i'm going to be diving into deep i think fantastic um yeah i don't know what it is jack at the moment whether we're we're i don't know whether i'm getting softer and and loving more podcasts that we get recommended on this show or the recommendations are just getting better but i feel like maybe this one is just a really really good recommendation so thanks jeff uh (laughs) really it's uh it's 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 great it's uh so good i mean i think i think uh the listener who who sent sent me in in ross's direction because you know there's these things these things get around get around from mouth to mouth to mouth to mouth you know Mm. i didn't i didn't discover it you know ross has been around for for a long time and been making really good work for for a long time it's just it's just new in the podcast world you know Mm. past Mm. couple years i think this is why this show exists and i'm I'm glad that it came from a recommendation in a way because that feels very apt 
speaking of recommendations, it's my recommendation uh, last to close out the show. And in true episode party fashion, uh, you guys have chosen two very uh, perhaps experimental and and different podcasts, and I've chosen something that really treads the line in terms of how a podcast has been made for a long time. Um, but I will say about this: this is the this is the food chain, and it's from the BBC, and I think. Uh, it does feel like a podcast that shows how far the BBC have come because I think when the BBC first started getting into podcasts, they just kind of repackaged their radio shows and chucked them over the iTunes wall. And there was nothing inherently wrong with that because their their radio's always been good. But it just felt like it wasn't given the love and attention it deserved. And uh, I feel like this show... Um, is a good example of um, something that uh, show that that seems to have um, seems to have transcended that that weird time in in BBC podcasting where it was repurposed content and um, the food chain is fantastic as far as I'm concerned it's a show about food um, where it comes from uh, what we make of it uh, um, how we place it within our within culture and um, every episode is is a little bit different like i say you know it covers kind of a, a wide variety of things that all kind of loosely relate to food in one way or another but i chose this episode partly because i know uh jack you, you know you, you and i are, are both uh are both big coffee drinkers and i know you've been getting more and more into decaf coffee um yes so i thought right. this one might be a might be a fun one to fun one to discuss and um i i really like how it, it's kind of put together and the kind of uh interesting mix of people that that uh the host emily thomas talks to so you've got a botanist in there you've got scientists in there you've got a barista turned roaster in there um you've got uh the head of a company that decaffeinates coffee um, so I think, you know, it covers a lot of bases. I think it's it's generally just quite good journalism in that sense. But I just thought it was really a nicely kind of packaged up and kind of compelling episode in terms of taking you through the story of decaffeinated coffee, how it's decaffeinated, uh, why it's decaffeinated, what effect coffee really has on us, the environmental impact of decaf coffee and the economic kind of implications of it. And generally why decaf coffee is not normally as good as caffeinated coffee. It all makes a lot of sense, actually. It, it filled in a few blanks that I certainly had. And I, I do like coffee and making coffee. So um, it was kind of beneficial to me in that sense. Um, Jack, w- what did you make of it? Well, yeah, I'm, as you say, uh, getting into to decaf because caffeine was sending me in all kinds of loopy directions. And um, in tribute actually freddie i am drinking a decaf coffee tonight because i thought that would be a nice it feels dirty honestly you shouldn't drink coffee this late regardless whether it's decaf or not but i thought this was i thought this was really interesting like they spoke to as you say a really nice breadth of of people from you know baristas to people actually doing the extraction of caffeine to scientists and you know i was really interested to hear about the the economic and environmental challenges that are affecting decaf because that's not something that I thought about much and the fact that to present decaf coffee as something alongside caffeinated coffee without you know it being hugely inflated in price they have to often get like a lower quality bean so that then you know when they're adding the money in to decaffeinate it then 
it all levels out. So that I thought was really interesting. I thought it was very BBC in the tone of it. I thought it was very uh, direct. And I don't necessarily mean this in a bad way, but a very safe way of uh, presenting this story and uh, was narrated in a way which I felt if I popped on BBC Radio 4 and I heard Emily Thomas you know, speaking and narrating the show, I'll be like, yeah, absolutely, it's a Radio 4 show. So I, I did actually think that it's interesting you say that this is uh, an example of their podcasting output. This, to me, felt uh, like a, very much like a, a, a radio show and like a something that they would put out on Radio 4. But... Um, I did so so yeah I, but but the information was great and I got a lot out of it and and there was another one that I listened to actually as well which I I thought was really brilliant which was they they did an episode called raw grief which is about the relationship between food and grief which starts by looking at why people lose their appetite uh, during times of grief and why they lose the ability to to really taste and appreciate food but then also it goes on to investigate how we use food to connect to the deceased and and how we kind of keep those connections alive by say either eating the food that they enjoy eating or um through various traditions that involve food as well which i thought was really great and i i felt like i enjoyed that episode more perhaps because the subject matter was a bit more fertile like i thought it's a really really interesting collision of, of of ideas that they brought to the table there but um i also started listening to one today about expensive cakes which was very charming in a british bake-off kind of way i don't know if you have the equivalent in in the u.s jeff but it's basically a show where the most dramatic thing that happens is you know an elaborate sponge seems to topple over or it isn't cooked or (laughs) falls to the floor like it's edge of the seat stuff but it it, Mm -hmm. it felt very quaint that episode but in a way that i thought okay so this is a podcast that seems to be able to present itself in various different moods and and excel in those quite well so while i did sort of passively lambast uh, emily thomas's kind of safe way of narrating the story actually she does prove to be quite versatile in in navigating these various different topics as well so yeah it's it's one that i've subscribed to because um it seems like a really robust means of getting me some more food knowledge so uh yeah i enjoyed it Great. so jeff what what do you make of it you know it it is um it is very much uh different than the than the two recommendations we've had we've had prior mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's i think really easy when you're in this situation of like what's good what's good you know it's um it's really easy to go for the kind of avant-garde and weird weird stuff and say that's good but yeah. the thing is is that like honestly those things do like we, we've talked about those things do take a lot of uh effort from you the listener to get something out of and you know this is this is a show that you can you can pick up and set down when you need to mm-hmm. um it's like it's like more appropriate for like doing something else while you're while you're listening which honestly for even me is like probably 95 percent of the time i'm listening to podcasts and you know it follows it very much follows the kind of bbc style of documentary production mm-hmm. and there's there's good and bad reasons for that mm. the the good reason for it is because you as the listener um, if you if you miss something for a second, you kind of know what has happened. You don't have to um, you don't have to constantly second guessing yourself. Like, did I just hear what I thought I heard or, or whatnot? Right. And it's very much the like narration 
source, narration, source, narration, source, narration, source, um, where those like interstitial narrations are uh, meant to draw connections between the tape you just heard and the tape you're about to hear. Mm. And what's interesting, what I was thinking about as I was listening to this is as a freelance project, I actually just uh, mixed a very similar sounding documentary for the BBC through through an intermediary. And even though the topic matter was completely different, it was the exact same format. You know, with with the one exception being there was just like a little bit of B-roll here and there. Whereas aside from that, it's like the narrator was was making connections between what we had just heard and what we're about to hear. Right. And again, that's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. It's it's just uh, it it signals to you as the listener, like where and when you're supposed to be listening to this. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, this kind of program has a much wider audience because you don't have to be in like a special headspace to, to get something out of it. It's like very effective at conveying the information. And it gives me like quotables that I can say back to my friends when I when you know we're talking about like hey did you know that that the caffeine in decaffeinated coffee doesn't just get thrown away they sell it to soda companies which is like a really you know fun piece of information to know <laughs> is that like there's this whole like commodity trade from decaf coffee and it got me thinking it's like it's like hmm you know it's like I wonder if if in any situation there's people selling you both sides of the coin like both the like hey you get like jacked on our energy drink here and also the like ooh caffeine's bad like buy our decaf product <laughs> and like like buy our decaf coffee and they like the two sides of each other like I'm not sure what that's called, but they both like profit off the flip side of the coins. Like in America, we have um, a, like very mainstream department store. I can't remember what it is. It's like Target or American Eagle or something like that. I can't remember mm -hmm. which one it is, where they also own a company called Hot Topic, which is targeted towards like skateboarder emo types. Sure. And the people who shop at these two stores hate each other, most likely, because <laughs> um, they're in high school and there's like the importance of clicks, you know. But they they both they profit off of both sides of the coin, and and this program got me thinking about that. It's like, oh, like in what situations are companies able to uh, sell you both sides of morality, or both sides of addiction, or both sides of anything else? So, you know, it's it's again, it's a different kind of program, but it gets my brain working in different ways, more in the in the in in the real world, I guess you could say, <laughs> in the world we live in, which is probably important, you know. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think I think. Um this show and I, I i don't want to make assumptions on um emily thomas's part but this show seems like the kind of show and jack maybe you'll agree um having also done the education that i've done which is that if you if you come from like a journalism background and you have formal journalism training this is this is how they teach you how to make um radio and by extension podcasts it's it's a it's a tried and tried and true format this seems to seems to kind of stick um yeah. and i think yeah the, the, like you say jeff there's 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 definitely like merits to it especially if you're doing other stuff or you know you know indeed if you, if you're if you're kind of listening but also uh, kind of thinking on a tangent about where where the where the kind of threads that start within the subject matter of the show you're listening to could take you um and i think that's a really interesting one that you've pointed out about this kind of um mutually beneficial relationship i guess or you know profiting of both sides of the coin i think you said which is probably a better way of saying it i find that really really interesting i want to i want to hear i want to hear a podcast on that um <laughs> but uh yeah i i i really enjoyed it i mean you mentioned just then jeff about quite a lot of the time when you're listening to podcasts you are invariably doing uh something else at the time what 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 is your relationship with 
with podcasts in terms of listening like do, do you do you find yourself always doing something else or are you do you find yourself taking time to listen to stuff kind of with with no distraction yeah i mean there's there's kind of two categories of, of podcasts that i think i listen to the one is the category of podcasts that i listen to because they are podcasts and i want to be consuming some kind of media while i'm doing something else so these are the you know these are the cooking and cleaning type podcasts of of which i need to pick up and set down regularly because i don't always have a half hour chunk of time to to wash the dishes you know (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it's something that i talk about sometimes with other podcasters and and something we often feel shame about which is that you know all us like artsy type podcasters we all listen to like entertainment and politics you know (laughs) um because there's there's this thing that happens you know when you go into a field that you uh, you know, you change your career so that you can do work that you love because, you know, you were listening, like in my case, you know, I was listening to Radio Lab, I was listening to This American Life, I was listening to kind of that, whatever you might call that, like golden age of podcasts or whatever, when when that stuff was all was all happening. And, and you know, y- you listen to these things and then eventually you've, you've listened to them enough so that you start like editing those pieces as you're listening <laughs> because you're just so used to hearing audio and editing it that it gets really tricky to to listen to it without feeling you're clocked on. So like I said, there's like kind of two kinds of podcasts I listen to. There's the, you know, 95% of the time when I'm just listening to uh, kind of, I don't know, I, it feels bad to call it drivel, but like things where where the people who are saying the words are probably people I already agree with and probably aren't going to change my mind about anything, but yeah. they're conveying some kind of information to me either for the first time or the 10th time or the hundredth time. (laughs) And then there's another category of shows, which I call gym podcasts, which is when I go to the gym, which (laughs) is not that often, but when I go, um, it's kind of, it's almost like a shower, you know, in that, like you're kind of removed from your regular distractions. Like there's no food there. There's no, um, there's no, well, there's TV there, but I, you know, but there's like, there's like less distractions. I'm like in a more calm, place and my my brain is then like in sponge mode where it's receptive to uh new ideas and honestly that's where i listen to imaginary advice that's where i listen to shows like shortcuts and constellations Mm. and these other shows that that require more of you as the listener just because i have less distractions and and i'm i'm more open to it and that's about the only time i can listen to experimental work or if I've like had a beer or two and I'm like lying in the dark by myself, which is another great way to listen to podcasts. You know, yes, it's just not how I exist for most of the time. So like the shows that I listen to are the, 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 like, the like experimental ones are rare and I have a hard time listening to those in other, in other uh, times, but I do find a lot of inspiration from movies and music and writing because those things I can't really clock on for because I don't know that much about them. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask because obviously you mentioned the fact that there's a a busman's holiday element to listening to uh, crafted audio experiences and that you end up kind of crafting in your head. I mean, you've been doing Hippie Monsters for, what is it, coming on seven years now? Is that right? I think it's seven years. I think I started in 2012. Blimey. I mean, what I love is, is that I've been looking at the about section on your site and there's a bit near the bottom where you list like all the equipment and like audio plugins that you're using which is the exact kind of thing that I want to read but it definitely made me think it feels almost like that there could be um 
a sort of compositional sensibility that you're using to craft this audio rather than just simply producing it in the manner that you know one might do on say the BBC as we've discussed I mean you also make music as well uh, do you see much similarity in the the approach that you're using to put together a piece for Hibby Monsters to you know something that's more strictly like musical and compositional well, you know, I think I think things are are changing a little bit right now in the field. But when when I was when I was starting, there wasn't such a thing as a podcast degree. You know, you could go to Salt, which is a university program here in the United States that's kind of kind of constantly going out of business. I think they're good for now. Right. But um, you know, there was Salt. There's uh, I know there's a program. Oh, there's um the, there's the radio program at uh, what's it was it Gold Goldsmith Goldsmith is that a university Goldsmith. in London? Oh yeah 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 that's yeah. right yeah. Goldsmith. So I think they have a good radio program, Goldsmiths. I know there's one program in Germany somewhere, or at least there used to be. Like, but none of it was even podcast related. It was like radio advanced degree or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, I think that's changing now. I think there are like college level podcasting classes at this point. But you know, when I was starting in the field, everyone everyone was coming from somewhere else. You had to be because there was no there was no formal education you could get. Hmm. So. Like for me, I I thought for a long time I was going to be a photographer, and I eventually realized a couple of truths that I needed to realize, and I was like, okay, like what's the backup plan, you know? Right. And so I was coming at it with a, a photographer's mindset, and I was like, I don't want to start at square one, you know. I've put in a ton of effort into this field, and it's obviously not going to work professionally, but I don't want to like start over in audio. So I was like, okay, what what lessons from from the visual arts world can I cross apply here? And you know, some of them worked better than others. And and my my early work is pretty bad, but it's a, it's apparent that I had a leg up because I was I was trying to not learn the same thing twice. I noticed as well with the the show that obviously you get a lot of guest producers in. Uh, I think yeah. I even saw Barry Lamb as well, who's a episode party. Yeah, he was on your show, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, we had a lovely time having yeah. Barry on. But um, what's it like collaborating with guest producers? I mean, how do you find that experience and, and what do you enjoy most about bringing guest producers into the fold? You know, the the idea of having guest producers was something I, I really wanted from the start. And it, it, took a, it took a lot of trying to convince people to actually do it at first because, you know, it was a new show and, and no one had heard of it. And, and, um, I was, I was mostly asking my friends who, who weren't audio producers themselves and, you know, a couple people stuck through and, and we've, we've, I think off the top of my head, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's just over 110 episodes out right now. I, I, you know, I think about probably a little less than a third of them are our guest producers so you know like somewhere somewhere in the 30 to 35 range hmm. of them are probably guest producers that's just off the top of my head and a lot of those are, are one-offs you know people who have just made one story for us and you know that process is is really special because you know it's it's essentially it's essentially um an, an act of of attempted telepathy right, right. like you're trying to use the senses that we have mostly mostly uh, vision and and hearing um through through language you know to try and have the same idea happen in your head as someone else's and that kind of communication is really difficult it's impossible too but it's really difficult and there comes a stage where a large amount of trust has to happen and and it's something that i still feel guilty and weird about all the time when i say to the producer i say Hey, like, okay, now it's time for you to send me all your files and I'm going to start 
meddling around with your sessions that you've spent so much time on, you know, and I'm going to start making some decisions. And of course, you know, I always send it back to them and say like, is this okay? But as someone who's been on the receiving end of that before, like, at least for me, it's always like a, a real challenge to my ego to have, have someone else, you know, um, readjusting my fades and scooching tape and, and muting things and, and adding music where I didn't want it, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So no one's ever complained, but I still, I still think about this kind of, this kind of weird mind meld that, that has to exist and and is is fundamentally um hierarchical in, in a certain degree because at the end of the day you know uh as the editor of the show i get to make some certain decisions and and i tried to i tried to do that in a um an ethical way but I'm, I'm sure i failed at that well i think it generates for me i mean hearing you talk about it definitely like a this lovely push-pull energy that i get from wading through your back catalog which is that you do get the sense that there are different energies swimming into the picture uh, and yet there is enough continuity as well to to make you feel as though that you're still pulling on the same bit of thread as you're going through episodes so that for me has been a really great experience a very exploratory experience going through your podcast i'm so glad to hear that thank you well it's, this has been lovely i mean speaking the same thanks jeff it's been great to speak to you about podcasts today thank you so much for coming onto the show and uh and, and showing your recommendation and also telling us a bit about here be monsters as well yeah absolutely i really appreciate the uh the chance to to talk with you you both and um find out about some some good audio and if people want to check out more about here be monsters and what you're up to where's the best place for them to be headed online you know it, it's pretty easy to find the show um we are on every podcast app you just search for here be monsters and the the logo is kind of this um uh, rainbow gradient with the letters hbm on top of it uh but if you just want to go to the website it's hbmpodcast.com fabulous and freddie if people want to find episode party what should they be doing well, we're also a fan of show artwork with a gradient on. So, uh, um, you've, but by 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 virtue of listening to this, you've already found the podcast. So, I don't need to tell you where to go for that. However, if you do want to listen, uh, have a look at um, all of our show notes, uh, where we will list all of the recommendations we've discussed today, and link to uh, Hippie Monsters in case you want to find it that way. They are at www.episode.party. Um, we're on Twitter at episode underscore party if you'd like to uh, chat to us or give us a recommendation. Or if you're not on Twitter and you prefer to email, we are hello at episode.party on email. Great. I was dead against that gradient. I remember when you first proposed it. I'm eating my words now. It looks lovely, Freddie. So I have oh, to come thanks. full circle. That's all right. So thank you very much to everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hi, it's Jack again. Thank you so much for listening to Episode Party. If you've been enjoying the show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. It would mean a lot. Thank you so much. Goodbye.